it's Dragon Heart, the official Rexman FC radio show on Callan FM and available as a podcast afterwards. Today we have Mark Griffiths and Bill Long and we'll be talking about Dagenham and Redbridge, National League streaming, football rivalries and taking fan questions. Long again in another corner, he's looking for Hayden, let's drop back post to Jordan Davis, is a good header, has gone back in, it's 1-0! This is Dragonheart. Uh, Dagman Redbridge, Mark. Uh, was that the most complete performance of Phil Parkinson's reign? Was it the most complete performance of all time by any football team? <laughs> I mean, all right, I, I've written about this, funnily enough, in, in The Leader yesterday. And, okay, I'm probably going to say no in terms of, goodness me, those Stockport wins were something else, weren't they, last season? I mean, we're talking about a team that was absolutely on fire, was bossing the National League, and we battered them twice. But in terms of, I think, what Parkinson's looking to achieve with this team, in terms of the aesthetics and the the way it looked, the quality of the football on the eye, and I think as well the organisation of the team and the way that they were so intuitive in finding each other quickly because they've been working on those shapes in the training grounds, that was fabulous. So I, I reckon just behind the Stockport games, not least because I I know they've had a rough time of it at the start of the season, but I, I don't think Dagenham and Redbridge are pushovers at all. This is, you know, they're different levels, say, from, you know... With, Oh, I hate saying no, no disrespect because people always say no disrespect and then disrespect. But they are a different kettle of fish from Dorking and Maidstone, and they're decent. I think they'll be in contention for the playoffs. But my God, I mean, we could have had ten, couldn't we? Really? I mean, I'm not, not just saying that glibly. We really could have had ten. Yeah, we really could have. I mean, James, the James, two James Jones chances sort of, uh, sort of crop up in my mind as being. Opportunities where you know could have really ramped the score up. I think you're right. I think the 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 level of opposition just. I think you know we we were sort of um, maybe unfairly at times sort of like labelled as struggling with better teams. I think last year, even like taking say when we beat Grimsby one nil when Ollie Ollie Palmer's debut, we were, uh, you know, like it was a bit of a, a bit of a. How can I put it? not the most exciting performance and we've sort of been labeled as yeah we get a lucky goal and we can hold on and we we you know we we be able to beat these sort of teams um i don't necessarily think that's true but i think last night sort of shown not last night the last game sorry sort of shown that actually that we've got the capability to really perform against a team that are going to be in the, at least the, the top sort of 9 10 teams aren't they i'd say 100% and, and as well i mean i don't know if some people are still saying that about us, fair enough, but I, I don't agree with them. I mean, for me, the turning point was, I know I keep saying it, that January transfer window, when we completed the team, Palmer comes in, McFadden comes in, and, you know, all of a sudden, those missing pieces of the jigsaw are there. So if you think about since then, well, we beat Halifax twice. Halifax were right up there. Uh, we absolutely thrashed Boreham Wood twice at home. The first time when they came to us, they hadn't lost in donkey's years. So it had an incredible long run and hadn't been letting any goals. And we put four past them. And then we put three past them. Or, or the other way around. Mm. Um, you know, we beat Stockport twice comfortably. You know, five nil aggregates over two games. Uh, you know, we, we Solihull were the only good team to come to the race course after we completed our side and get points off us. And yeah, you, could, you, you could argue really as well, Mark, that we were unlucky not to win that game or at least get yeah. a penalty that would put us on footing to go and win that game. Yeah, pretty clear penalties, I recall. And also Joe Sparrow, who's their star player, should have been sent off. I mean, for high kicking, you, know, you kick a player in the face when they're jumping for the ball. These days, that's the straight red cards. And, yeah. you know, so there's a lot of, even that game could easily have gone our way. So, yeah, I, I don't feel too concerned. I suppose maybe people look at that Chesterfield game, but... That that's a, that was a learning process, maybe in a different way. Um, early in the season, before we totally settled in, 
and also Parkinson knew he had a strong squad and he rotated that squad around and it didn't work. And yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe he's learned a lesson from that because that's three games unchanged. And really, apart from that Chesterfield game, he hasn't altered things much from that basic shape, has he? No, and and I, I think fair play to Neil. He's been banging the drum for weeks now that we should just be keeping a team that have that have that are doing well and that are settled and that they should be the ones that are playing. And uh, you know, you've got to say he's been right so far, hasn't he? Because ever since we have stuck with the same team or more or less the same team except Mendy and McFadden have sort of come in and out a little bit due to injuries or whatever. They've been playing fantastic. Um, I was just so impressed on Tuesday. I think that was... You, we've had a little bit of stick, Mark, haven't we, for sticking up for, for this team this year. Uh, and, and I know you... Uh, well, a little bit in the comments. Maybe you do, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a sucker for reading the comments and, and, and other places, but... Uh, not, I'm not not a huge amount of stick, but people were saying what I think after the Gateshead game, we were all quite happy, and they, it was me, you, and Shay did that podcast. And then the comments are dragging out. There were a few people saying what What were you watching? Um, but I think that was the performance that sort of showed us that can sort of show a you know ten thousand home crowds that this side mean the business, and actually that they are building up towards something probably quite special. Yeah, well, I mean, let's put it this way. And please don't get me wrong, you get nothing for winning games in September. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've just put out the Rex Manorak, and one of the facts in it is that the la- if you convert three points for a win after eight games of the season, the last time we had more points than we do right now was 1902. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the third. I, I, you know, I know it's rather fake, isn't it? But... But then, matter the day, quote these things all the time without much context. If you convert two points to win to three points to win, so it's a fair comparison, um, we've equaled the best points total after eight games since we joined the Football League in 1921. There are two t- seasons before then when we did better, but I think maybe that illustrates, you know, you know the difference in football and why, although those are club records, definitely. 1921 is when we actually get into competitive football, what we can measure now against them, I would say, because those two better runs that we had, we're in the combination league and, well, let's put it this way, in both those runs, we beat Oswestry United. So we're up against very different types of competition. To be fair, early days of football, you know, but still, you know, this is this is different, isn't it? It's completely different. I, I think... Oh, it's still there's still a part of me that thinks we haven't even kicked on yet. This is still just the yes. start of it. You know, it's weird that like you can't how many is it now? Is it t- uh, 20 goals in five games that we've scored? Mm-hmm. And to to almost feel m- maybe this was the game where you think, right, we are kicking on now, and this is the start of something. Um, I'm always like you say, you don't ever win the league in September. I'm always wary, but for everybody, and I said this to Che on Tuesday, who kept updating me on the Chesterfield score, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Like, they're going to drop, in my opinion, they're going to yeah. drop off. We've, yeah. got, we've got the squad to keep up with it. Except maybe, you know, touch wood, any serious injuries or anything like that. I feel like we've got the, the best squad in the in the league and probably the best starting eleven, and probably the, the two top goal scorers at, at, by the end of the year. I mean, the way I look at it is, have have um, any has anyone got any recollection of a national league team since we went down playing the sort of stuff we're playing at the moment, or consistently playing as well as we have since January? Logic says we should win the league, and I'm not trying I, to be arrogant. Just you know, I mean, logic suggests it. We we really are a very very strong team with quality I, football league players. Yeah, I think that's that's. That's a really good point, actually. I think that's pro- probably where my confidence comes from comparing our records to Chesterfield's is that we've been on this form since January, haven't we? But, you know, except for a couple of dips with the with the trophy in the end of the season, which even then, if, it's, if you take them statistically and look at them outside of the context of the title race, they were still really good runs. We just had, like, one loss against Woking and a draw against Boreham Wood that both sort of came at the wrong time. And then, obviously... Dagenham and Redbridge game at the end of the season, but that you know the damage was done because Stockport had already won the league. If you look at that in terms of form and how we've been playing, we were we were it was it was title winning form. We just we just hadn't done enough earlier in the season. That'd be that's all it comes down to. Hundred percent, and let's be honest, that's because we were stuck with chance of windows. 
So, we, you know, Stockport can bring in players of the calibre of Sarsovic from the Football League as the season goes on and bed them in. And we have to wait till January. And then we're limited after that as well when we have injuries kicking in at the end of the season, players getting tired and we haven't got the squad depth. But now we have. And we also don't have to worry about transfer windows. So, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm not really listening at the moment to people talking about those other teams, partly because I feel early season, maybe I shouldn't. Because things do are still settling down, we, we, you know we're what, just over a, we're essentially a sixth of the way through the season, but also because let's be honest, I mean come on, they should be worried about us. Yeah, Chesterfield should be you know everyone's oh Chesterfield lost a man and just looking back on one. Yeah, and again they should win. Now, I know we were in a game we probably should win, but we had the toughest opponents I would say out of the top four who all won, and um, for me, we're the ones sending a message out, aren't we? We just won 5-0 at Dorking. Then we win 4-0 against Dagenham. Could have been twice as many. We're the ones who are saying, oh, by the way, look at us. <laughs> you know, we're a bit yeah. tasty. And, and that and that side that started to, uh, on Tuesday was, except for, for Mendy and um, Howard in goal, was pretty much the exact... Am I right in thinking it's the exact same side that started against that? No, because Tyler French would have played. But generally, that's basically the same side that lost 3-0 against Dagenham Redbridge. At the end of last season, there's all the psychological effects of being involved in a in a battle like that that ruins the end of your season, and we've gone away and, and put in that kind of performance. Really, genuinely, like just look fantastic. I mean, going back to the catalyst of of the start of our season from January last season, Ollie Palmer, what a performance he put in, Mark. It was it was unreal, wasn't it? He is statuesque, isn't he? He's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I was saying this in the Final Whistle podcast, when we brought him in, I knew of him at Wimbledon as being a player who, despite being built like he is, is not necessarily a, just a target man. He's very good with the ball at his feet. He likes to get the ball, turn, get his head up, and he spots runs really well, and he can play really well, and he can play good passes. Well, that was the clearest illustration we've seen of that. I mean, his... He was dropping into midfield. He was pinging the balls over the top. He was playing big switches. His passing was fabulous. Like I said, I think it, it links into good chain, uh, training ground work that the players really look like they know the prearranged movements. They know where somebody is going to go if they get the here. Mullen's going to run there. number of times Mullen dropped off and tried the little first-time balls around the corner because he knows where the player is supposed to go. But Palmer with the ball at his feet, oh, it's like Pirlo. He was wonderful. He was really absolutely destroying them, wasn't he? It was fantastic performance. Yeah, he was something else. And and uh, I didn't, I obviously appreciated his, his performance, but then I watched the highlights earlier today and, and just like, like you say, some of the passing, like maybe it's just because I sit behind the goal and I couldn't quite see it, but it was like, wow. Some of those balls he was playing across to, to the wide men from deep. It was a, uh, Stunning performance, absolutely yeah. stunning performance. Um, I've just I've just got up the spreadsheet. So the Dagenham game last season, there are three changes from the team. On well, no, sorry, four. Dibble in goal, yeah. Paul Johnson yeah. at wing right wing back, right, okay. McFadden okay. at left wing back, and as you say, French course, at centre yeah. back. So four changes. But you know, it's it's not a hugely changed no. team, is it at all? No, I mean, as I recall, Dibble, you couldn't blame in that game. So the change of goalkeepers. Not that relevant, really. And the midfield and attack are identical. Yeah. Yeah, so just goes to show how, how much the, the hard work they've been doing on the training ground is really paying off. Um, I mean, James Jones had a fantastic game as well, didn't he? Oh, yeah, I was really pleased for him. Um, especially first half, his energy was ludicrous and his passing was really crisp as well. And in the second half, I still thought he played very well. His passing just went slightly off but the number of times he lost the ball and came back and got it <laughs> you know he's just great isn't he yeah he's so i mean his energy is obvious plus he's his movements and his his pace as well are important so the way we build up on the right hand side and it's, there's a nice sort of uh, does this is this an oxymoron like asymmetrical balance in the sense that clueth on the left of the three is much happier to come forwards and actually involve himself in attacking moves Hayden will and can do it to good effect, but he has got on the right hand side of midfield ahead of him a player who wants to come and interact with the wing back. So, you know what I mean? It's like Clueth and Mondi yeah. 
interact on one side, and that then allows Jordan to drift about a bit more, and then Jones and Ford interact more on the right. And, uh, you know, it's just, just interesting little changes of balance and emphasis. Yeah, uh, spot on. And I, and I think sort of going back to the 98-point season was the last time that we had wing-backs on either side, or, well, full-backs on either side, and midfielders interacting in different ways like that, you know, Harris, Keats and Ashton had a really good sort of a, a trio the way they used to work with each other. But then you also had Obengi with Bomb down the wing, completely different sort of wing back to uh, to Ashton. And, you know, it's it's uh, uh, just, it's just hell of a hell of a time to be a Wrexham fan, Mark. I, I can't see. I, yeah. I know I don't think anyone was upset after this game, but even before this, I can't understand why anyone would have been upset before this, because it's just we're, we're just phenomenal to watch. The excitement for me is that. You know, I look at this and then Dawkins, and I think, well, there's two back-to-back annihilations of the opposition. And like I said, when I said no disrespect to Dawkins, I mean, Dawkins are a decent side. They've got some good results this season and had some competitive performances this season. But we controlled them from start to finish, and the same pretty much with Dagenham as well. And you're referring to that Gateshead game earlier. I mean, for the for the first half hour, we were like Tuesday. But we didn't manage to sustain it, although we were in control in the second half. Yeah. Um, but last two games, we have pretty much sustained that until 90 minutes. And we haven't really taken our foot off the gas until the game is clearly won. And that, that's a step up. That's gelling, isn't it? Yeah. Let's put the full 90 in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it's it's oh, hopefully we can carry this sort of form on. It's kind of scary to think where we might end up if we carry on playing like this for the rest of the season. There's there's obviously going to be dips. I mean, you know, but then but then you got the likes of Elliot Lee to come off the bench or, or to yeah. co- or to come into the squad. Tom yeah. O'Connor, the almost like the forgotten man of the team. Um, and then Tony Cliff, who I think is a very very good player, a terrific signing. He's not even set foot on the pitch yet. No. Wow. Uh, Macalinden, who hasn't even been in the squad for a lot of games, who played yeah. really well at points last year. It's a embarrassment of riches. Like you say, though, th- th- there will be ups and downs. There will be peaks and troughs. And, you know, we're bound to have the odd little stumble, and we mustn't panic when that happens. I mean, for yeah, example, yeah. I strongly suspect we might only win by, say, one goal at Man City in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Good expect, <laughs> you know. You know, sometimes our standards will dip, but he still got through <laughs> the next round, and, you know, that's okay. We can pick her up afterwards. Absolutely. Um, I can't see any reason why uh, Pep isn't lying awake at night thinking about the mighty Sorry. Reds coming to town later <laughs> on in the year. <laughs> Can't wait to see Oli Pal bullying uh, Diaz. <laughs> well, you know these these performances are, are absolutely fantastic, and it's it's a shame that our new American fans aren't really having the opportunity to uh, to witness them, isn't it, Mark? So I think after this, we're going to talk about streaming and and how hopefully or you know we'll see how it goes, but in the future that this is something that the American fans can watch. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. Well, uh, I think you know, the last couple of weeks I've been trying to troll Reddit, uh, a little bit of the YouTube comments, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. And I think the biggest question on, on all of our international fans' lips, Mark, is where can I watch Wrexham? Um, unfortunately, you know, regardless of the fact that the club have been trying their hardest to, to get the matches online for the international fans to stream, it's not happened, has it? No, sadly, where can you watch Wrexham? The race course. Um, and, and it's absolutely galling and absurd. I mean, honestly, I, I can't... I, there's no justification here. I, 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 it's 2022, for goodness sake. They need to, you know, the, the National League Board are stopping this. Um, I don't feel they've got any good reason to. And, I mean... If they did, and I don't know, they've given their reasons, which I'll happily get to in a second, but if they did, I mean, Sean Harvey's memo, his counteroffer of, until you've sorted it out, please can we stream and we'll share all the profits with all the other National League teams. I mean, talk me through why they've said no to that. I mean, I don't see how that can have any effect on anything except giving the other National League teams a little bit of money in their pocket. 
It won't be much because, you know, there's 72 teams in the National League, which people forget. There's three leagues, not one. But still, why why, why can't you do that? You know, I, I, well, if I knew the answer to that, I probably wouldn't be able to say it because I get yeah. sued. <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's one of those where they... they i got to be careful, I suppose. We've, all got, we've both got to be careful to a degree what we say. It's difficult when these things are ongoing. The the National League is supposed to be having a meeting this this week at some point, aren't they? If from, from what I remember rightly, yeah, it could it could be that by the time this goes out, that uh, that the decision's been made, or it might not be even be made public until next week. But you know, something might come out soon. So this this could be slightly dated by then. But at at the same point, if we could just discuss what how it's gone up to now, I, I mean, this look. We've said it before, but there's there's bound to be uh, people who've emigrated to Australia, to New Zealand, to Canada, America, for all these other clubs that would want to access the games. I can't see why those clubs, you know, Notts County, Notts County, Chesterfield are, are two huge clubs, Scunthorpe, Oldham, they're really big clubs that have got like big fan bases and they're just being prevented from from streaming their games as well. I don't think it's just about Wrexham. I think it's just a, it's just a silly decision regardless, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's a danger. and I'm not saying this is the reason, but it, it, it's very easy to jump to this conclusion. There's a dangerous jealousy that Wrexham are fortunate enough to have this fantastic takeover, that we're looking to succeed by raising funds abroad, by expanding our fan base massively. And therefore, you know, the, the board members who are mostly made up of representatives of other National League clubs don't like the idea of us having more spending money. Well, we already have a bigger budget than everyone has now. They don't like that. And so they want to put the kibosh on it. Well, it, that's completely rules out what you're saying about serving fans, which you'd like to think would be a, a, an important thing to football administrators, although often there isn't. But also... They're they're an, they're an, they're an organisation made up of the clubs and serving the clubs. So, like you say, but clubs can't make money out of this. It's a commercial endeavour. So, can you imagine um, an association of car dealers saying, "But you can't sell cars online, just on the forecourt." Like I said before, it's 2022. <laughs> Why yeah. are you putting limits on your own members to make money? Absurd. And then, right, if we go away game and we stream it, clearly we've got to get permission from that away team. And surely there'll be some remuneration for them. So go figure. That <laughs> just makes no yeah. sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm sure if... Let's take the Dorking game, for example. All right, maybe not the greatest example because it was a Saturday, three o'clock, and there is the the embargo on that for streaming that domestically. But if they could stream that internationally, and let's say uh, the the streaming numbers uh, during COVID were roughly about 1,000 a game, where they were 1,500, something like that. And obviously, you've got to take into account that there would be families watching those games and stuff like that. So it's not quite the same as, as a... The attendance figures for going to the race course, but you know, one thousand five hundred at a tenner a, a, a pop. That's that's fifteen thousand pounds that a, a club could be splitting with us if we were yeah. to do it 50-50. And I'm sure a club like Dorking aren't going to say no to half of that. Are they? And yeah, and and I, before I respond to that, I would also say, look at the comments of their manager. There's lots of people who are experienced in non-league football and who are linked to the smaller clubs in the National League who wish us well and think that this sort of thing is sensible. It's only a small handful of influential people who are against us. You know, clubs like Dorking, as far as they're concerned, yeah, we can do what we want to do. And like you said, there could be knockback benefit for them. I mean, we see in the Football League now, there's a big row about streaming revenues, isn't there, where there's an argument about whether they revenues for each match should be split or whether it should be kept by the home team or whether it should be you know good done on the basis of you state which team you support when you buy your streaming pass and then those monies are distributed according to how many each team sell um 
And I can see the arguments and concerns in that. But my, my point, though, is that at the moment, it's only us who are looking to set this up. We're saying, we are, we're on record saying we'll go along with the National League if they want to start their own platform. But in the meantime, please, can't we just do this? It just seems churlish and spiteful to, to stop us. I, 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 well, if there's any logical reason, I'd love to hear it. I really, really would. I think it's probably um, logistics that are holding it back. There must be an element of it. I don't work in the TV industry, so I'm sure there must be some genuine reasons why there's a bit of a, of concern. I, I can understand that. And if the National League wanted to do a central platform, then obviously there would have to be a standard that went across all of the 24 clubs in our division. And if they wanted to expand it to the, the North and South as well, there would probably have to be standardising 72 clubs at this level. It might be difficult. It might be something that they haven't got the manpower to do. But if that's the case, just let us do it. Just let yeah. us stream it and don't do it internationally. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah, That's exactly it, isn't it? I have no doubt that this is a huge logistical undertaking and I think it's beyond the National League by a, a huge amount. So why aren't they just letting us do it for ourselves? And, and let, let's imagine that what they've said, because their reason they're giving is they're going to have their own centralised platform for the National League. That's the reason they've given. So no, we won't let you do it because we're going to have you on our platform. And that's why, like I said, the Wrexham have been saying, yeah, but... Let's just let us do it until you have the platform and then we'll willingly join you. Um, what's the downside of letting us do it? That we would build up an audience in, in the National League that is familiar with and comfortable with streaming, building on top of what we had uh, throughout lockdown, that people who weren't sure about it, who support other teams, would get a chance to try it and then see a, re a good quality stream and realise that, wow, this actually really works. This is as good as watching it on TV, and they'll be keen to jump onto it when the National League launch. It's a win-win for the National League to let us do it. Um, as for the idea that they'll get their own platform going, right, prepare yourself. If you thought I was ranting already, hey, just wait. <laughs> All right, they, they've got... They're saying they've been looking into this for a while, they're saying. Um, and they put out tender for companies to, to handle it all. To me, this sounds like an expensive undertaking. Let me, let me talk through a couple of logical points. BT cover the National League. And, and the National League keep talking about, well, you know, you've got to consider BT. Well, I haven't seen BT make any noises complaining about streaming at all. And now the National League are talking about setting up a platform for streaming. So clearly BT are not standing in the way. They won't let their games be streamed, but I really don't think there's anything in it for them at all, whether the other games are streamed or not. All it does is advertise their products. But the thing is, BT Sport, huge organisation, obviously, they get the clubs to do it all. So they, when they started covering the National League, they gave every club a broadcast, a second-hand broadcast camera, and they gave a, a short training, sort of two-day session to teach people how to film, edit, and upload from each club. And then that was that. BT are not making any investment into infrastructure. They're not making any sort of investment in staffing beyond the bare minimum to, well, to A, cover live games, and to B, offer some match day support on match day. They've upgraded it now slightly. The clubs now all have got these little, those, those little live backpack things of an aerial sticking out, right, which basically okay. you stick that on the platform next to the camera, and now, as you're filming, that footage is going direct to Olympic Park in London, where BT is based, rather than what it used to be, which was you then had to go away and edit it up very roughly so they could then just tidy it up for the highlights. But, I mean, this is a... <laughs> that's the logistics that the that BT have put in just to covering one division. They haven't put it in. They've just got a few guys editing, a few technical guys in case something goes wrong, and they're getting clubs to film it for free. Now, the National League seem to be saying they're going to launch 72 separate streaming platforms all feeding into one platform. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to that suddenly appearing on our laptops next week. 
Um, if you go on the National League, if you go on the National League's website, right? Um, I oh gosh, I wrote about this in the leader last week, and I cut bits of it out. Although I did publish it on the Dragon Art blog, so we could all be sued together. And um, bearing in mind your profession, I'd be interested if after this you have a quick look at the National League's website. For me, it's not the best. And in the original article, I wrote that when I look at it, the phrase that comes to mind is would probably get a teenager a C grade in IT, a GCSE IT, because it's decent enough. It's tidy. They've done the skills right. But there's 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 very little else to compare. There's no bangs and whistles. It's a, it's a C grade. It's not better than that, I think. Their video page is exciting. Um, because let's be honest, that, that would appear to be the precursor to this glorious platform they're going to put out for us. Um, it's only got four teams' videos on it. They're, wow. they're, they're responsible for 72 clubs, but only four of those clubs, all of which are at the National League North or South level, actually have their videos on the page. And all it is is a series of embeds off YouTube. So I'm, I'm assuming that there's a person at each of those four clubs who has decided, oh, you know what? Fair enough, I'll upload this for you. And all they're doing is copying and pasting the embed codes because it's often quite difficult to work out what games they are because you know, say they've titled their YouTube highlights, Gary gets the winner. That's all <laughs> you see. There's no other text because football clubs don't tend to be very good except at the high level of actually doing the basics on YouTube. They just upload it and leave it. And so you've just got this contextless mess of games from four clubs out of the 72 and that's that's their video platform at the moment so I, I don't see that expanding to live streaming going across for all of us anytime soon and if they're going to do what they seem to be saying which is putting them out to tender and bringing a company in well bt aren't willing to put those sorts of resources into this which immediately tells me this is not necessarily a clever financial move but let's pretend it is if you run bill that it logistics company you're going to charge a lot of money for that service, aren't you? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Where's National uh, League getting that from? Well, uh, there's a lot to unpick there, Mark. To be fair. Sorry about I, that. Yeah. I, no, 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 no. I just you can probably see the reflection in my glasses. <laughs> I'm, lo I'm looking at the Vanarama National League website now, and I am seeing you. You were very kind in saying it was it was three or four clubs because it looks like it's only two to me, and that would be right. Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah, and uh, Banbury United, who yeah, Brackley have been. Oh yeah, and, and Brackley, because yes, because there's, there's a face I haven't seen in a long time there, <laughs> Mister Senor Kevin Wilkin, who who does haunt my nightmares every now and again, just from that that uh, that FA Trophy loss <laughs> that we I had. I gave a lift to a game once. Did you? I'm sure he's a very lovely bloke, by the way. I, I got oh, he's a lovely fella, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe a bit too nice in a way, but. Um, yeah, we were driving to Altrincham, and my lad Ben was in the back of the car, and he goes, that's Kevin Wilkin! And there's a couple of blokes standing next to a broken-down car on the hard shoulder of the M56. <laughs> and and I, I was like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So we went and got, came off them. <laughs> we were hurriedly phoning Geraint Parry, and saying, um, is the manager in trouble? He said, yeah, his car's just broken down, he's stuck. So we came off at the next <laughs> junction, did a U-turn, Came back, had to go back to the last junction to do another U turn on the roundabouts, not on the motorway, and <laughs> came back up and said, Hi, Kevin, do you want to lift it up to the ground? And so, yeah, he left Gary Mills, that's the other Gary Mills as assistant there, just abandoned him with the car. <laughs> that's, how, that's how irreplaceable he was. <laughs> and then we gave Kevin Wilkin a lift to the Alti game, which we won convincingly. So maybe he should have not turned up to <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> So yeah, fair enough. Uh, great story. Uh, and, and, and going back to the website, the website is run by a company called Pitchero or Pitchero. Yeah. I don't know how I don't know how you you, you say it. It's supposed they... to be Pitch Hero, but obviously it's not spelled like that. Of course, it's right. like Pitchero, and I think well, I, I'll say things about them if you want. <laughs> um, well, I only for for those who 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 may be international listeners. Uh, beyond the leagues that were talked about on on Welcome to Wrexham, you've also got the what's more like sort of recreational leagues where just local people who were just playing in for those teams and playing against other teams from the local area. So like just taking Wrexham, for example, it might be Van Gogh Town versus 
uh, Kevin Albion or whoever. I don't know whether they're in the same league, but you know those those sort of level of teams. And uh, all of their websites are run through Pitch, Pitch Hero usually, aren't they? So that's that's a platform that I'm sure there's absolutely nothing wrong with them, but they're a football based based platform mainly used by lower, much much lower division teams that that sort of run their own website websites under a, a specific template. So then they haven't even got their own infrastructure. They've clearly not got their own got website designers. They've not got their own hosting. It's just, uh, you know, I'm sure they've got a great de- deal with Pitch Hero. I don't want to, I don't want to drag their name in the mud. They've done nothing wrong, but that's not exactly a, a setup that you'd think a, a league of our size would maybe go for. I could be, I could be completely unfair there, but go, it goes with what you were saying about how it's barely updated because obviously they've given a model to the National League who then don't go ahead and actually do much about it. It's 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 got a sort of slightly neglected look to it, hasn't it? That website, yeah, it really it, has. It's, you know, there's not much content going on to it, really. It, 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 I, I mean, and I'm, I'm not trying to call people out, but it's just that the National League don't put much money into things like that, don't have that much money, and therefore I'm really skeptical about how they can suddenly set up a streaming service for 72 clubs. Well. That- that's the thing you see. So that's, that's what's frustrating about it is that they, we know all the clubs can perform these streams. They did it during lockdown. I mean, some of the clubs might not want to do those streams. There might be too much work for them. A, a team like Dorkin might not be able to hire somebody to, yeah. to to film a camera for the entire match. And 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 fair enough, you know, it, it is what it is. But why pretend that you're going to go and make a platform when you haven't even got an up-to-date homepage for your league? Like you say, they're either they're either haven't got the capability to do it themselves, so they're either going to have to hire people to do it, or they're going to have to hire a firm. Which for seventy two different teams to oh, it's, I wouldn't even want to rack the numbers up for that. Like logistically, that's mm. not even I, I no, <laughs> it's not even yeah. worth trying to figure it out. It would be a lot yeah. of money. And I assume what they're going to hope to do is what they've been doing with BT, which is they say we're going to do this, then they just drop it on the clubs. Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. and then you're just going to get volunteers filming it, and then those volunteers and those clubs will get it in the neck. And um, to throw it back, like I say, to small clubs, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be critical of small clubs at all. They're the lifeblood of the of the, the football pyramid. But you think of some of the small, I say, Brackley, Kevin Hawkins Club. How you know they're going to get it in the neck if their streams don't look spot on? But it'll all be done by volunteers. That's not fair. Well, look, look, if we're if we're honest, Mark, you know, a lot a lot of us at Wrexham are volunteers. Me and you are volunteers. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. The, even there'll be even be clubs in the football league that have volunteers. It's no, it's no disrespect. That it's more about being realistic, isn't it? It's no, absolutely no disrespect whatsoever. Anybody who's listening, who might be listening from another club, who might be interested to see what we have to say about it, or three of you, if there's even any. But you know, don't please don't take offense. So it's not, it's not, uh, it's not us trying to be big time or anything. We, I think, if anything, it comes from a place of we know how much work needs to go into it and they're trying to pretend that they're going to put that work in and yeah. they're clearly not are they as a as a as a, a governing body i mean Wrexham are paying for a, a broadcast company to do the streaming we have a volunteer from the media team commentating on it and i'm just racking my brain i think that's the only voluntary element of it but that's why it looks professional because it's professional because we now have the funds to pay for that um, now the thing is, the National League's model, let's be honest, will be to say to Wrexham, to take one example of the seventy-two, um, please will you carry on funding that, and please will you continue doing it like that? Um, but then, well, I guess we'd like a cut of the money from it. And the thing is, I mean, we've cut the legs from under their arguments because Sean Harvey's essentially, yeah, we 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 want to work for the good of football. Which is interesting, isn't it? When the, a club is saying we want to do this for the good of the entire league and the two below us, but the actual organisers don't seem to be quite singing from that same hem sheet. They seem to be more saying, oh yeah, Chesterfield, Notts County, Wrexham, they'll make a lot of money. We'd like a cut of that rather than them having it. Seems a bit weird to me, i I, I got to say. Maybe that's not their motivation, but really, why can't we stream stuff until they've sorted something out? It does, and it's. I, I think it's short-sighted, Mark, as well, because I think if you look at international fans of any sort, but I think especially North American fans, 
um, maybe I'm wrong, but over here, we're, we're married to a club, aren't we? We're born into a local mm-hmm. area or our parents are born into an area and you follow your parents' team or maybe for whatever reason, you, you weren't born in Wrexham, but you come to live in Wrexham and you've just started going to games, whatever. We, we sort of like generally overall, you get stuck to one team and then you might have a Premier League team to go with it. Um, but the American fans, they're watching after watching a documentary series. They might be quite into us, but they watch us play Chesterfield and actually turn around and say, oh, I quite like Chesterfield. I'm going to watch a couple of their yeah. games now. Yeah. They're, they're not as... They're not as um, they're not as uh, uh, stuck to us necessarily, and that that exposure that exposure could be could be uh, it could be invaluable. You could have teams from from all walks of the of, of the, the league who just just it just it just opens up so much exposure, and I just think it's just so short sighted, so short sighted. You, you know, you, you often see those little funny stories in the press, don't you, about you know the Norwegian fan club of. Rickman's worth turn up <laughs> all, all four of them at a match. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes people that are people, oh yeah, I, I I come from Mexico, but I started being Concord Rangers on football manager, and now I'm coming over to watch a match. I mean, it, it's it's that sort of thing. Yeah. Welcome to Wrexham makes the National League look like a very sexy product. And I, I was thinking the same as you. Yeah. Maybe people would say, all right, then. Well, I don't know if I want to follow everyone else and follow Wrexham, but it looks like good fun, that football. It, they're all being streamed. Oh, let's have a look at it. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we'll become fans of walking. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and and I think football managers, you're spot on. There's a lot of people who, who from different, even in this country, even in this country, a lot of people who were Premier League or Championship fans who played football manager for the last 10 years, they're bored of loading up their game and playing as no, Preston North End yet again. Oh, I've, I've had enough of playing as this team. I'm going <laughs> to pick someone from the National League. There we go. Bore an uh, old Wrexham. They're all over the place. Let me go and play as a team on Football Manager that, that uh, might beat Wrexham. I'll go as Notts County. Oh, Notts County are playing this weekend and Preston are, are away. I'll, I'll stick Notts County on. And there's know. a certain fascination in Football Manager, I think, of... You have a player, they do well for you. You notice their team is playing. You you want to have a little look at him as a real actual human being and yeah. see what he's actually like as a player. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Little yeah. things like that. It's football manager is a great advert for football, and streaming is a great advert for football. And these things are all drawing people in because that's the world we're in now. And for the third time, I'll say it: National League. This is twenty twenty two. I, I can I can actually well yeah I can actually give a, a specific story on that Mark. So uh, growing up, it wasn't until I was about fifteen or sixteen that I started really getting into watching Wrexham live. I, I was always sort of into football, but more from a from afar than anything. Um, and I had a, a save on Football Manager. It would have been Championship Manager back then. I think it was like oh three oh four with Wigan, and there was a player for Wigan. Who who was he was a class striker. I can't I can't remember his name for the life of me. It's going to bug me now. Um, but he he Rex Rexham were playing Wigan a couple of months after I I'd started this save. So I went along to watch him play, and yeah. then and then about within a year I'd gotten into watching my football and going to watch Rexham. So these 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 things can happen, can't they? Oh no question, no question at all. By the way, I'm uh, terrible. Digital confession now. <laughs> I, I've done that thing once. That thing, you know, the, that football manager thing. Oh, oh, just, put, just, yeah. Put a suit on for a cup final. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got Ryo Vallecano to the Champions League final. I'm sorry, I'm wearing a suit. We lost, but I did I, it. I, I think, I think actually, Mark, that is pretty fair enough. Ryo Vallecano gets the Champions League final. <laughs> Definitely should be wearing a suit. I felt terrible that I went to Juventus in the end. I feel bad about that. (laughs) In fact, I kept kept two saves in case I decided I wanted to go back and pretend (laughs) I said no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And because I just bought Genie Van Alden for nothing. So I thought he could could add something. If only he had stayed with me at Rio rather than gone to Paris Saint-Germain, he wouldn't have got injured. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this happens to me too much my lads will, will often tell me shock news from football about what and I'll realise that's on your save 
of football manager, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not happened in real life. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Realize then. Oh, okay, I get excited when Harry Kane signs the you know Ipswich. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. Like, we 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 kind of uh, digressing, but. It's funny how you can hate real life players because they've done something on football manager to you as well, yeah. isn't there? That that happens as well. But yeah. anyway, maybe we could do a football manager special special a bit later on in the year or a FIFA special. Well, we've something. got we've already had Tim Lewis on, who is a, a Wrexham fan and a bit of a football manager aficionado. We'll have to do another one with yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. 100%. And Mark Fenn is from uh, the, the club's media team. Uh, one of his uh, passions is esports, and he he sorts out conferences and stuff and tournaments. So, yeah, because we could we could definitely have a an e version of Dragon Art. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It's 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 a, a growing market, but le- leaving that there, I think, because we're going to start slowly getting out of our comfort zones on esports. I think, Mark. I mean, I quite oh, like yeah. the games, but I'm well out of my comfort zone with that. Um, after this, we're going to take uh, a bit of a moment for some fan engagement and uh, talk about rivalries. Your town, your station, your voice. This is Callon FM. So, uh, you know, it's it's rare for us to only have one talk, one game to talk about on Dragon Art, isn't it, Mark? Um, but recently, like I said earlier, I've been trying to engage, especially with some of the international fans. And uh, Che actually put a poll on Reddit the other day, asking what uh, the international fans would like to learn about. And coming out resoundingly on top was was rivalries. So we're going to wait for Che and Mark, uh, che, Mark che and Neil to be here uh, ne- hopefully next week to have a proper talk about some of our bigger rivalries. But how about we sort of introduce the idea of rivalries or footballing rivalries to our international fans? It's fascinating, isn't it? Because there are so many ways to define what a rivalry is. And that's why, you know, we'll go into detail over it over the next few weeks and give examples. And it'll be really, really diverse. I mean, the traditional rivalry is geographic, isn't it? Yeah. So you get two teams who are close together. Okay, classic example, Liverpool and Everton are only separated by Stanley Park. They're about a mile apart, maybe slightly less. Um, and, you know, that's obviously an issue of locality and that's the traditional way people talk about derbies but then recently people have been talking about whether the Liverpool Man City rivalry now is like one of the great rivalries and clearly that's not really geographic they're both in northwest of England but you know Liverpool would see Man United more as a rival traditionally that's where the real anger and, and you know competitiveness seems to come in but they have over the last three, four years, been clearly the two best teams, certainly in Britain, if not further afield. So that has, you know, the quality of the games between them has sort of turned it into something people suddenly are talking about as a, a great rivalry. Then you can have just just a fixture with animus between the sides. I mean, for example, this weekend, the Leeds United-Man United game is off because with the police force being under strain because of the Queen's funeral at the weekend... That game's been called off because police will be probably needed in London. Well, Leeds and Man United, firstly, are a good, what, 50 miles apart, 40 miles apart? And second, they are nowhere near London. But that's the nature of, you know, they're not close to each other, but it's such a feisty derby that, you know, so the, the people look at, you know, you know, it, it's still seen as one of the great rivalries. And then you can have random ones, can't you? I mean, the, the, the most famous random one in Britain, I suppose, is Crystal Palace and Brighton absolutely yeah. hate each other? That's I mean, the one I was thinking of. Yeah, but there's no reason. Well, it's football reasons or football matches. But again, Brighton is not in London. It's a fair distance. Crystal Palace will take their pick of local teams to have a rivalry with. And locality, you know, like I say, I mean, Liverpool and Tranmere say are close together. Hey, big deal for Tranmere if they played Liverpool. Not a very big deal for Liverpool if they played Tranmere, even though. They'll be the second closest professional club to them. Yeah, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? I think um, your rule of thumb is if clubs are within 10, 15 miles of each other, they probably don't like each other. But it's not necessarily the case, is it? You know, Wrexham haven't got a rivalry with uh, Kevin Drew. It's partly because they don't play in the same league as each other, but uh, and partly because I bet a lot of people who go and watch Kevin Drew also come and watch Wrexham in some form or, or another. Mm. But yeah, you could sort of, it's almost like you could draw a little map. And I think, 
it's almost as much about density as well, Mark, isn't it? You know, you've got you've got the the take take the West Midlands for London. London's its own thing because it's, there's so many clubs in London. You don't think you could really compare it to anywhere else. But if you took uh, the West Midlands, Villa hate Birmingham. Villa hate West Brom. Birmingham are not keen on West Brom, but I don't think it's much of a big deal. Villa and Wolverhampton don't like each other, but it's not really a big deal. And then you've got Wolves and West Brom that hate each other. Mm. And then you've got Walsall just down the road. It's only a couple of it's only a couple of train stops away from Villa Park, and they play each other in pre-season friendlies. So it's it's a it, I don't think it's very straightforward, is it? And especially when you compare it to American sports, where some of the great rivalries in American sports, you've got like the Lakers and the Celtics, where they're, they're on completely different coasts from each other, and that's completely sporting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess and. I, we all have American listeners, obviously. I'm happy to be corrected on this. Uh, I mean, uh, the sheer scale of the US means that an awful lot of teams won't really have local rivals. And you've got like Cascadia, rivalry Oakland, and Vancouver and Seattle, and fairly close together. Although probably in British terms, it wouldn't be considered close together. Um, I've taken a Seattle to Vancouver coach trip and it didn't feel like we were popping to crew to watch a game. <laughs> And then also, and again, am I wrong? Pre-Moneyball Oakland A's would be seen as a yeah, little team. Not sure that actually, you know, locally San Francisco Giants are going to be that bothered by them. There's more natural rivalry, say, between the LA Dodgers and New York teams because they used to come from Brooklyn. You know, it, it, it's fascinating. It's a totally different um, setup. Also, you can have regional within a city and, and things really vary there, like, Manchester City, Man United, although City now have moved out, have very specific traditional geographic areas they come from, even though you know, the modernities at the National League board don't want to accept, meaning <laughs> that Man United are also, you know, they're both supported all around the world. Liverpool and Everton traditionally was nothing of that. It, it started off as a religious rivalry and also just a rivalry between two clubs because the Liverpool... Well, some of the people at Everton refused, had a disagreement with the board and split away to form Liverpool. Um, but traditionally, that always used to be my brother's an Everton fan, my sister's a Liverpool fan, until fairly recently when it's actually taken a little bit of a nastier turn. I used to live in Liverpool. And yeah, genuinely, you go to derby matches and Liverpool and Everton fans would be sitting together. The cop would still be the cop and the away end would still be the away end. But there was nothing weird about some mixture in the stands. Now, yeah. it's very nasty, Derby. Now, it's changed its nature. And then you look in Europe, and of course, you can get political derbies. So you can get um, Real Betis being seen as the aristocratic club and Sevilla being seen as the working class club. Likewise, Rio Baicano, we mentioned earlier, very much a left-wing club Real in Madrid. Real Madrid, this big, haughty club of the establishment, supposedly Franco's team. Um, and then you have the old other mix-up in Madrid of clubs, because Rio Baicano are a small club, and that's very different. They're like a British club. They have their own identity. Most of the smaller clubs in Spain, you'll support a big team as well. So Getafe, when they play Atletico Madrid, uh, not Getafe, sorry, and um, Leganes, when they came to the top division, Traditionally, Leganes fans tend to have favour Atletico and are often Atletico's second team. And so in the crowd there, the loads of Atletico fans in the home ends who can't get into Atletico matches or can't afford it, but they go with Leganes instead. So there's loads of complications. And as over the weeks as we talk about this, I think we'll see that Wrexham are not exempt from this. We have rivalries based on personal issues, based on particular powder keg games that sparked off disagreement or controversy and so much are just geographical and so much are just because we don't like that bloke who plays for Grimsby who <laughs> missed the penalty against us <laughs> uh, yeah. Names. there's this yeah there's this there's so there's so many to come up isn't there it's going to be interesting to talk about I think we're going to have to start with Chester uh I oh, think yeah. it's you know yeah. that is that is the Wrexham fans would think that is the derby to end all derbies uh I believe at one point in the mid two thousands, per person, uh, it had one of the highest arrests in the whole of of the UK, yeah. something like top five, you know, and that was per 
arrests per person. No, I can't remember. Yeah, you know, like, I'm I'm butchering the, the statistic a little bit. So a lot of tasty things to talk about that derby. When two two clubs, if you looked at it objectively, are really similar to each other in a lot of yeah. ways, especially these days as well. Well, maybe not so much at the moment. Now we've got Rich's mark, but not too long ago when we were both fan owned, we were probably more similar than we were different. But we can say big efforts by the clubs to tone down the sort of anger around the fixture by uh, having a PR campaign to, to make exactly that point, that in many ways we've got a lot in common. I think I will just, we 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 will wrap the rivalry bit up because I want to save some of this good stuff for when we actually do talk about yeah. the different clubs that we've got rivalries with. But maybe the, the closest in American sport is the is the university or the college games where mm. you may have two, two teams within the same state who... Uh, have that rivalry with each other so maybe that's the closest thing that we can sort of say but uh yeah we'll we'll get on to that next week after this we're going to be taking some fan questions i'm luke young and this is Dragonheart. so over the last couple of weeks um we, we've had a bit of disruption to Dragonheart and weren't able to quite get the fan engagement section up as much as we were hoping to uh, however, we do have one question from the YouTube comments from the Dragon Heart from two weeks ago, uh, which actually probably will take us up for the entire fan engagement section that we size-wise anyway. We have a question from, uh, apologies if I get YouTube names wrong, so please do correct me in the comments if, I, if you need to. I think this says Philistine AU, but I could be wrong. Sorry about that if I, if I butcher it, Phil. Uh, here's his set of questions. So he asks, are the players uh, in the current squad now competitive enough to play in League Two next year if we were to be promoted? Uh, if the team was to be promoted, would it need major changes or is it good to go? And where does the team most need to be upgraded? Um, I think that last bit, the where does the team most need to be upgraded, that's kind of difficult to answer now in terms of we'll see at the end of the season. Uh, there could be reasons for us to need to upgrade in areas such as maybe a player were to go missing or something along those lines, you know. Go I, missing. No, but go missing. Like, like, goes off in his canoe and then uh, his <laughs> wife claims he's life insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, takes a private jet with Ryan Reynolds and likes his life in Hollywood and doesn't want to come back. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, you know, if we were to lose players for whatever reason or... Uh, we we will have a better idea by the end of the season if we've got weaker areas. Uh, but I think you know we were just sort of, you were just sort of saying, Mark, off air that I don't think as it looks there is an area that needs to be upgraded. Really, is there? Well, I mean, I think that links into the question about are we ready? Would if we went up, would we cope? Yeah, I I think we are ready to hit the ground running. I think that's the whole the whole plan of this is. Look at where we've been getting players from. We're recruiting players from higher divisions and players who have excelled in higher divisions. And that's the idea that we're, we're building a team. I felt this last summer, actually. We're building a team almost with the look of it being a League One team already. The logic then being that as long as you keep them motivated, which Barcelona seems to be doing very well, because there's lots of talk about the unity in the changing room, then they go through the National League and then go through League Two. And I would say at the moment, it looks like he's being successful in, in that. I mean, you know, just to pick, I don't want to pick out individuals really, but I will to illustrate this. But I know I'm going to miss out players who are perfectly capable of coping at a higher level. I mean, Aaron Hayden, he's going to be great in League Two. Paul Mullen, Ollie Palmer, you know, we've got the players, Jordan Davis, you know, Luke Young, they're going to be fine in League Two. They're going to do well. Max Clewis looks like a hell of a prospect. So we've got players who have proven themselves already at that level or higher. And we've got players, yeah, who are, who are just desperate to, to show what they can do. So I've got, I, obviously we will bring players in if we go up. You've got to. But it'll just be like last summer, I think, of, of adding quality to quality rather than, than plugging gaps, really. Yeah, definitely. I think Humphrey Carr was interviewed before the end of last season and he was sort of asked about... Uh, what the transfer business would be like. And I think he said, you know, regardless of whether we'd have gone up or stayed down, the transfer business was going to be very similar. So they've clearly prepared as an as a organisation in the background, haven't they, for us to be a League 2 quality squad. I think you bang on as well about, uh, you know, the, the teams do tend to go up from us and then straight into League 2. 
uh, straight into League One, really, straight from League Two. Just looking at the League Two table now, um, the top four are Leighton Orient, Stevenage, Barrow and Salford City. So, yeah, so those four teams, you know, you look at them and, OK, uh, it was a long time ago since Stevenage were in the National League, but all four of those teams have been in the National League within the last 10, 15 years. Barrow and Salford, you know, very recently, and Stevenage have actually been in League One as well, haven't they, Mark, you know, and come back down. You look at Grimsby are in ninth and Stockport are 18th. Okay, you know, like it, 18th isn't a great position in League Two, but th th those teams can clearly compete just by going up and, and surviving. And uh, I, I just, uh, you know, we're putting a different level of money into some of these teams that will have gone up. They will have gone up healthily with a good amount of money, but we're putting a different level in again, aren't we? So you'd like to think that we would we would be really competitive if we did go up. And to throw in two optimistic scenarios as well, Burton were uh, in the National League when we were uh, joined it, and they've been up as far as the Championship. And Luton Town, much more recently, were in the National League, and they nearly got into the Premier League last year. So yeah. it's definitely yeah. possible. I can't help thinking of what Spencer Harris said about trust ownership on Dragonheart when we did our big takeover special about a year and a half ago, um, when he said that, he knew full well that it was a challenge to get out of the National League with only one automatic place, and also because the, you know, the trust didn't want to put the club's future in jeopardy, so didn't want to overspend and therefore had to live within his means. But he felt that, although obviously the takeover hopefully will accelerate everything, he felt that eventually we would go up because we are you know, one of those big clubs at our level, and that even if it had been under trust ownership, with them being careful with money, he felt that the same as what you're saying, that we would still have had the capability to hit League Two and bounce straight through it, because then we'd be getting all that sweet, sweet football league funding on top. Yeah, so suddenly yeah. the club, because we kept an even keel, would be in a good financial position and would be in a position to kick on. And that's what a lot of clubs have done. They get a big boost in their revenue when they move up from the National League and, and they act on it. Well, we've had the boost in our revenue already. We'll be able to do it further. But I could say, bringing it back to the question, those players on the pitch at the moment, I would argue, are playing at a high League Two, low League One, maybe not low League One level. Um, so, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, we won't buy anybody for two years when you stand till you go backwards, but we're, we're well equipped, I think, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And if, if you were to sort of take a really quick look through the squad, you've got Howard, who was Carlisle's, uh, player of the season they yeah. play in, they play in league two. they were playing in league two last year and still playing in league two uh you've got mendy who who in any other universe would have only gone up to a league two or a league one club it's just that we've maybe got the finances to purchase a player like him you've got uh Kluwer, who's a youth team player but he's just excelling toza was in a league two player this a player this their uh, team of the season sorry um that got promoted as well and a team who got promoted yet yeah. Hayden was in was their uh, Carlisle's vice captain when he got bought Anthony Ford was playing in League One with Oxford Jordan Davis has played for Brighton in the Premier League not maybe not actually got starts for Brighton but has been in their academy uh, Luke Young consistently been one of the best players in League Two for about four uh, sorry in the conference for about four or five years and had, had played a chunk of games for Plymouth as well Right, yeah, fair enough. Uh, and then you've got James Jones, who played in League One, and you've got Ollie Palmer, who's played in League One, and uh, Paul Mullin, who's, who was the League Two top goal scorer by some distance that year and would have gone into League One if he hadn't come to us. So, And that's not including the other players that we've got sitting on the bench. So it's... it's a, I know it's, it's easy to sort of say all those things. You could argue that some players that come to our league from higher leagues are on their way down, but I don't think any of ours are really, were they, Mark? No, exactly so. Exactly so. And then, like you said, people who haven't broken into the team yet properly, but people like Elliot Lee, clearly capable of playing at a higher level. So we've got, yeah, we've got real quality strength and depth. So certainly the question of would we be okay in League 2, I, I, I would say that if we went up and didn't answer the squad, we would be seriously looking to get promoted. But we would add to the squad, having said that this is a good squad, because that's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> you know, brought in Elliot Lee when there's no obvious place for him because he's a good player. We would do that again with because we've got money when we 
I said, when we will go up. If <laughs> we go up. If. <laughs> I think it's, it's one of those, isn't it? I think uh, it, because we don't have a transfer window this year, if we're going to upgrade, it's going to happen during the year, isn't it? Because we're not... Yeah. We're yeah. not we're not having those awkward uh, January February scrambles where people are just trying to sign what they can because they've got an injury to their second choice centre back and they just need to get somebody in. You know, we, we'll be able to sort of purchase those kind of. If we were lucky enough to have a couple of players injured, we can go and purchase those or loan those players outside of the window. So, as much as it's a good question, it's difficult to answer until closer to the end of the year or maybe a couple more games into it, but. I genuinely think this team could be performing really well in in a in League Two, definitely. No question, no question. All right, well, thanks very much for that question. Speaking of questions, uh, we are looking to get more in. So if you have any questions, please leave them at the bottom of uh, the page on the YouTube comments. Uh, like we said last time, we are looking at maybe resurrecting the Wrexham Discord channel. Watch this space for that one. If you have any questions, throw them on Twitter, Reddit, all those other sort of places. Uh, it'd be fantastic to get something in. You know, we we want to hear what you want to hear about. So please get questions into us and we'll do our best to answer them. Uh, any final thoughts, Mark? No. <laughs> there you go. Uh, South we... End is uh, in Essex. So, you know, they need to be careful. Don't, don't have any dodgy whelks or cockles. <laughs> Have we got a Tuesday game? I've completely lost on the fixtures at the moment. Is it just South End and then a, and then a week off? Is it? I think, but I'm now lost as well. I'll have a quick look. But <laughs> on on that note, is it would be a shame if the the South End game were to be called off because of policing. Not that we're anticipating that, but there is also that possibility. I guess nothing's been said so far, but do keep your eye out just in case something does get said about that. Yeah, we've got no fixtures after yeah. Southend until Torquay, so uh, make I'm sure the game's okay at Southend. So I would yeah. go on that basis for the, the simple reason that yeah, it, nothing's been said by this late date. I was wondering the same thing. I thought surely there's going to be an issue here, but it would appear not. And then the Saturday after that, of course, is Oldham Athletic, where we've done we've been selling tickets for that like hotcakes. Wow, and remarkable the way the tickets have been going. Yeah, twenty minutes. Twenty minutes and we sold about two thousand three hundred, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, lots of lots of nice big games coming up. We've had pretty easy-ish run, and now we're looking at maybe a, a slightly more difficult one. Uh, but I'm confident the lads will get through it. Um, cheers, Mark. It's been a fun pod. If everybody can keep out, get on us on Facebook, Twitter. Well, we're not. Are we on Facebook? Dragon Eyes on Facebook. Dragon Eyes yeah. on Facebook. We're yeah, active, active on Facebook. We can liven it up a bit. It's a bit like the National League's website, you know? <laughs> pitch, pitch Hero run it, do they? Oh, I thought you weren't going to call them out. <laughs> <laughs> I went very Kenneth Williams then, didn't I? Oh, did. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, get, get us on all the socials. Uh, feel free to contact us and listen to the audio commentary that we will be providing on Saturday for the South End game. Uh, we have been Bill Long and Mark Griffiths.